honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Today, you have your host, Izzy, for the 18th time. Um, I have someone really dope on. Uh, his name is Avish, and he is doing some dope stuff up in Canada. I don't have too many people on from out of the U.S., but now, since we're all quarantined inside of our houses, a lot of people are available, and one is Avish. So, Avish, I appreciate you jumping on today. Hey, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Good, good. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. I mean, we got stressful times out here. Um, so a little bit about me. I work full time at the Clorox company. Been there for about three years and a bit. And uh, I moved from the Brita brand and now I'm on the cleaning portfolio doing a little bit of brand marketing on it. And uh, we're going through some pretty, pretty strenuous um, manufacturing exercises right now with with the amount of demand we have for consumers. Yeah, that's crazy, man. And like, I don't want this entire podcast to be about covid but how how did I, I do have to ask like how are you guys maintaining or like even just a, like getting your day-to-day like how how does it look right now well i got a little notebook on the side and and i feel like i just got to write down everything because sometimes you get thrown different projects different asks like the government might uh, require a few things from us so we're just trying to stay on top of whatever we can from a team and business uh, standpoint and make sure that we can do what we can to supply people product. And like, it's crazy. You've, um, I met you and we can get into it in a little bit, but like, I, I know you from my time in sports and now like, I, I feel like a lot of people say you have to, you have to really want like love, you have to have a different type of passion for sports to work in sports. And, um, now like with everything that you're doing on a day-to-day basis and you having a different type of passion for your job. Um, obviously like everybody has to have these different things in life that they're passionate about, but it takes a different type of person and a different type of mindset at the end of the day to kind of going to go through what you're, you're really going through on a day-to-day basis, uh, right now with everything that's going on. So do you want to go into like how like mindset really takes a, plays a really big role into like, where you are today yeah totally man so i actually had started my career um after the university of toronto i was studying accounting realized that you know i didn't have a passion for accounting as many people do um and i kind of fell into this world of sports marketing so i started this conference at the university of toronto and uh, we were just trying to help other people as well as help ourselves figure out you know can we get involved in the world of sports since we were so passionate about it? And I'm a big believer in getting your passion to drive uh, where your career heads. And uh, when I was at U of T, I was like, okay, well, let's see how this event goes. Maybe we can host, uh, you know, some students. We didn't expect anything big. It ended up being the biggest sports marketing conference in Canada, and it's been going on for eight years now. So Um, That was a long time ago, but it opened up a lot of intangibles for my career. So 
when I think about um, recruiting for sponsorships or talking to professionals, um, marketing an event, you know, logistical challenges, I felt like I was exposed to a lot when I was starting that conference. And it gave me a little bit of a passion to say, no matter what I do in life, I want to have passion projects as well. So I was studying to be an accountant, but this passion project of a sports marketing conference really drove me to do cool things. Yeah. So even with my approach to work now, it's like, is there things that I can be doing on the side, um, outside of my nine to five, that expose me to career development and skills that I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily get in my day job as well. So I'm the co-founder of something called the Sponsorship Space, which is basically a platform to give people the resources they need, accessible resources they need, um, to learn about the world of sponsorship. So a lot of people pay money, whether it be $500 to $1,000 to attend uh, a marketing conference. And what I'm trying to do is say, you don't really necessarily need that. You can get any of the resources you need online now. And like you look about uh, and you think about the co like the podcast that you're building right now, you're having so many different people on the show that we can all learn from. And so what I want to do is do something similar where we highlight people in their careers, um, tell some stories about people in the sponsorship industry, and really provide some resources to help the development of young professionals. That's, that's awesome. That's, it's truly like, it's crazy. So I'll get into like how we met, like we chatted, I believe, yeah, I was, I was named a young achiever via the sponsorship space.com. And I got to speak with you and Mitch, who was, uh, an old contributor, not an old contributor, an old podcast guest, um, on the show. And like what, the more I started looking into what you were doing and, um, I came across you the same time I came across Adam White, who was also a previous guest. And what's crazy is that the, the alignment is between, I always had this passion for marketing and I had this enormous passion for sports and I never knew that those two things were so aligned. Even, even like I, I studied sports management in college and I knew there was like sponsorship played a big roles in teams and, and revenue and everything like that. But it was crazy to me, like, in t like until I actually surrounded myself and got into a full-time job with the Bucks and later on with Rock Ventures, it was crazy to me how much teams really rely on that sponsorship revenue to run a day to day or to pro provide dope giveaways for their teams or athletes rely on sponsorships or like for day to day types of things. And, um, it's, it's crazy, really crazy how many brands really rely on sponsorships to get to their names out. And one of those big things and events that, uh, brands really rely on is the Super Bowl. And you were recently at the Super Bowl in Miami for Super Bowl weekend. Tell us about like how that was. Like I like I I'm thinking about this uh experiential marketing really heaven in my head. Like how was it for you? Yeah, so for me I'm 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 a sponge, right? So I always want to learn about brands that are investing in properties or investing in certain niches of marketing sponsorship being one of them and how are they activating around the investment that they've they've spent so Super Bowl is a great example I've always wanted to go I'm a big football fan uh, even though we don't have a team in Toronto or in Canada um, it's always been something that I've treated as like the marketing mecca of the world outside of the Olympics 
So to kind of go to Miami, which is a whole production on its own, and experience what they were doing for uh, the Super Bowl was kind of crazy. So, you know, as soon as I got there, I uh, went straight to some Lizzo concert put on by SiriusXM and Pandora. Got to go to a brand innovators conference. So they had some CMOs from Burger King, Budweiser, um, Pepsi, like a whole bunch of different marketing executives that were kind of speaking about how they're investing in the football. And then later that day, I went to meet Peyton Manning and John Elway at some Denver Broncos networking event. It's it like that was the span of six hours or like 12, I don't know, 12 hours maybe that I was in the city of Miami. And I got to do all of that, which is kind of crazy. And then I got to party. Um, so I went to Shaq's Fun House and then Gronk had a beach party, which was pretty cool. But I think for, nice. me, for me, man, it's like, how can I expose myself that will, to things that will make myself a better marketer? And yeah. I think that just experiencing the Super Bowl and seeing how brands activate around it is, is pretty cool. Yeah, that's so dope. Like, it, it, like 13-year-old Izzy is kind of like gushing at um, your interview and really just like, really just taking everything in because like these are all things that I wanted to do growing up. And, um, there's kids out there. Like I, I I was just speaking at a high school on Friday and they're like, Hey, how did you get into sports? Was it everything that it came out to be, um, that you thought it'd be anything like that? And the more I start talking to people, the, the more I realize, and especially that age group, I, I realize like there's no direction, uh, until you get into college and you start to get mentors and stuff like that like my teachers luckily i i had one really good teacher his name's dan underberg he was the dean of students one of my really big mentors to date and uh the more i started talking with dan the more i realized hey this is exactly what i want to be doing and i know it's not going to be a sexy industry like quite like the the industry giants really paint it, it it's going to be this thing where i had to put in the the hard work to get to the places i need to be and that goes for every other industry out there like i i really thought that as soon as i got my degree um things would be good right people would be like oh yeah you have a degree here's 60k right and that Exactly. And what, like when I graduated, I realized that wasn't the case. And a lot of people had a rude awakening uh, when we gra- in, from my graduating class where they thought, hey, I have I had a 4.0 and I got a degree like that's good enough. Right. Like people are going to be offering me jobs. And I know people to date that are still trying to find that job. And it, it's really sad. So, like, can we, can you go into um, really how your degree in accounting has really set like how how much work you had to put in in college and uh maybe even post-college to get you to where the point the point you are today yeah man um so what i would say is that we're always evolving we're always trying to learn and do better um so where i am today is not necessarily where i hope to be uh in a few years but i would say when when i started my career and i i focused on that conference Um, It was at a time in my life where I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I had this accounting background, was in my fourth year, figuring out how can I get attention from all these big four accounting firms, whether it be Ernst & Young or KPMG. And I realized all the people that were applying for these jobs were very unlike me, um, at least the ones that were in my program. So I tried to fit in to society and I realized why not create something cool where I stand out. And 
the more I kind of started building out that conference and building out, you know, certain passion projects like the sponsorship space or what I'm doing with True Sports TV right now, um, I realized that you don't have to conform to what societal's expectations is. Um, you have to realize what you're good at and what your strengths are, and you only do that by trying new things and, and learning by doing. So if I didn't have those exposures to new projects like that, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I think that was super important for me to learn those entrepreneurial skills, um, as I'm sure you can attest to. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's crazy. You hit on a couple things there. So the first thing I want to hit is, like, you almost hit the nail on the head when, like, you almost had to be strange on purpose. And I'm not trying to just plug the name of the podcast, but, like, it, it really does make sense. And a lot of people jump on the podcast and say, like, hey, why do you – why do you, why'd you name this that? Like, why did you name the podcast this? Like, it, it's a cool name, but I don't really get it. And uh, when I get into it, like exactly what you said is exactly why I named the podcast that. Like, if I wasn't, I was already strange in not being the 4.0 student in college, but I, I was extra strange in college when I decided to, probably dumb, um, but when I decided to miss class to go to my internships and when I decided to, um, instead of party, I would go get internships and work late at night for the brewers or the bucks and work game days and stuff like that. And I was strange in that sense and people didn't really get it. But when I when I graduated and I had a job lined up and I had all these internships and I experienced like crazy, that's what was the, that's what made it purposeful at the end of the day. And that like, I can align with what you're saying, like just kind of thinking out of the box and, um, I have a really good buddy who was one of the 4.0 students that said, hey, I have good grades, they'll get me a job that was was struggling. And it, it wasn't up until recently where he sat down and he's like, I haven't got a job after college. Should I go back to college and kind of do the same thing? Or should I kind of do something out of the box and make myself stand out? And we were sitting here over lunch and we're chatting. And I said, dude, you like, I'm not going to tell somebody not to go to college because, that, that, like, if it wasn't for college, I wouldn't be where I am today. But if, if somebody says, hey, should I do something out of the box that I know can probably work or is something that can be put on my resume that will stand out over maybe a job at Burger King, do it. Like, that's that 100%. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's because I took a chance on myself very early on in my career where I, I left a very cushy job and I left um, a job where I knew I could probably ride it out for a while and get a, a, a better job. But it wasn't until I took that bet on myself and a year later after I took that bet on myself where uh, Division One College came calling and offered me six figures to be their director of digital. And it took, like, n none of those job offers were coming because I was like, cushy, right? I was in this position where I was very comfortable and I was okay with it. And I didn't know that if I had just stepped out of my, my comfort zone, there was way more left for me until I decided to one day walk in. And again, I wouldn't recommend this, but like I walked in and quit and uh, it took a year, but those, those other opportunities came calling. And whether I took them or not is against the point, but, um, there, there, there's something to say with staying uncomfortable, and you, you, you're working on something else with, um, the, the, your other passion product pro projects that you're working. Yeah, True Sports that you're, 
you're working on. What, what made you really jump into it? Like, was there something in the pit of your stomach that said, yes, I'm going to do that? Yeah. So, okay. So there's a few things that I've figured out along the way. Um, yeah. One is you touched upon Adam White and the stuff that he's doing. He's a good buddy of mine. He came to Toronto once to tell me about what he was building with front office sports. Um, and I wish I backed him more in that. Like, cause I feel like when you see drive in people and you see what they want to accomplish and why they want to accomplish, um, I'm learning to be more like, how can I figure out a way to support them more on that journey? So that's one thing that I do with Adam that I try to do whenever I can is, is support his initiatives and, and what he's building. Um, yeah. So another friend of mine, Ray, who's out in Markham, uh, which is just outside of Toronto. I forget you're in Milwaukee. Um, but yeah, so like he came up to me with this project that he was building, um, which is more or less just an Instagram page around um, sports content. So we share highlights. We do fo like footage and coverage of events and, and all the stuff that you would see with um, all these other Instagram pages, but the, the level of passion that he had for the project and the team that he was building around it, it just, it just wanted me to like be a part of it. Um, so we started figuring out a way to either monetize the platform and to grow it into a bigger user base. And now we've come to the point where we've built it to about 83, 84,000 followers on Instagram. And we, we do all this sports related content that we're hoping will be very different than what you see on a on a major broadcast station with a lot of guys in suits doing coverage but how can we be more players tribune style and give um, players a platform and also shares footage in a voice that people relate to um, and want to hear from so I think a lot of people have started you know att being attracted to that platform on our Instagram page and yeah. I just wanted to help him build that out and, and we've been doing some killer work right now. So make sure you give him a follow. I love that. And that's, that's definitely, if you guys don't, we'll, we'll go at the end of it. Uh, you can give everybody the username and everything like that. And if you're watching on the YouTube feed, um, the link is right below, but I think what you're doing with all the different, all the different things that you're doing, you have a nine to five and you have all these different passion projects. Like how do you balance that time? It's very hard. Um, so what I would say, it's what, what I would say is like, figure out what drives you. And I've learned this throughout the last four or five years is why am I involved in the side projects that I am? Is it for money? Is it for uh, clout? Is it for, for like, what, what is it that drives me? And everyone's going to have a different answer. The reality for me is, is how do I impact people? And how do I create something that didn't exist before so that it can support other people's journeys as they figure themselves out. So when I was at U of T and I wanted to learn about sports, I built this conference. A lot of kids would come up to me and be like, man, and especially now too, like I did this eight years ago and I still talk about it for some reason. And they come up to me and they say, thank you for building this. Or like, thank you for working with your friends and building this because like there was no platform at U of T before. And yeah. It's, it actually helped accelerate some sports business programs in, in other colleges in around Ontario. So it was a little bit of a ripple effect that we built that conference and it, it started um, giving more people opportunity. So the same thing with the sponsorship space. When I go to Miami or when I go to all these cities for different sporting events and I try to connect with people I've never connected with, these people are like, dude, I, I follow your content all the time. Um, I love it. Like it keeps me up to date and it's like one of the only things I follow in related to news. 
and these are people I've never met before um, and, and their colleagues. So it's like to give that reassurance that I'm building something that is supporting other people in their careers and I'm leaving an impact on the industry that, that I hope is, is bettering the industry. I think that's, that's why I do all these things. So I find the time whenever I can. I, uh, I launched a podcast recently for the sponsorship space and, and I feel like I love creating content, but I love creating purposeful content that's helping other people. I love that. And like everything that you're doing, like you said, it comes down to helping other people and providing them a resource that they might've had, but had to pay for or anything like that. Like there, there's something to say with giving out free value in a sense and providing providing valuable information for free that's a better way to say it and when i look at you and adam and all these other or all these other websites that i i look at that's the one thing i do look for like when i like i, I check out the business insider every so often i scroll through and i really see an article that i i click on that i would like to read and when it says business insider prime I end up just closing out of it and not paying for it, right? And the thing that there, there's something to say with like, I, I was sitting down with Adam in New York and he was saying like, hey, there's never, I mean, they've explored it, but there probably isn't a segment out there that there ever, there's, there's probably never going to be a point where he's like, all right, this is, a, this is paid content. You get on there and you have to pay for front offer sports for, like prime or anything like that. And there's something to say with providing free, free content. And like we're doing it with LinkedIn, right? We, we go out there and we talk about, uh, struggles that we're going through. We talk about like tips and tricks. We talk about like diversity and inclusion, like what we should be talking about. And, um, like nowadays I feel like generations and I almost, I, I hate to say boomer, but I sound like a boomer in a sense when, people in our generation or the generation that's in school right now, like, I feel like there's a lot of entitlement out there. Like, Hey, you have to give this to me because I am who I am. And I, I sit down and think about like, Hey, is, is it me just getting older, like getting a w different way of thinking? Um, and I just, I don't know. Like, I, like, how do we, how do you think we battle between like through this, in sense of entitlement and the senses of um, like I need to, as soon as I graduate from college I need to be the CEO and I, I need like you you did your entry-level roles you you kind of built built your way up how do you battle through that yeah what I would say is um, you you got to think about what value you're adding to a conversation and I think a lot of people especially as they go through university they're taught what value can you take away from a conversation? And that's a very, like, what, what is in it for me sort of outlook. So if you think about when you're in university and you see all these kids that are um, reaching out to professionals and they're asking for advice, they bring a resume to that, inter to that, to that coffee meeting. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Why are yeah. you bringing your resume there? Um, and I, I think about that and I'm like, well, maybe they just weren't taught how actually to offer value first so that that person wants to help you. And so what I learned with the sponsorship space and, and with that Young Achiever feature that you were on is like, well, 
sure, I want to grow this platform. I want to help other people and I want to build it. Maybe I'll monetize it one day. Who knows? But what I did want to do is like, who's out there that are doing really cool things and how can I give them a platform to tell their story? Right. And so yeah. one thing that really stuck out to me was when I was doing an article, I called up the CMO of the Atlanta Hawks, Melissa Proctor, and she had told me in the call, like, man, what you're doing is really cool. Keep doing it because I'm a big believer in value-based networking. And what yeah. that means is that offer something of value to that conversation to help the other person without expecting something in return. So, you know, if you, if you go out for an interview or um, uh, even if you don't get the job, if you see there's something that you talked about in the interview and when you follow up in an email a month later or a week later, is there something that could help the person's business challenges even though you didn't get that job, you could help them and show you're a little bit more thoughtful than a lot of other candidates by just giving them that information and showing that you, you're going above and beyond. And I think a lot of kids don't really get that yet, and it comes over time, and maybe a lot of people don't ever get it. But I learned that the hard way is like, I don't want to come to a meeting ever and not be a valuable contributor um, to that conversation, but I also want to just do things out of the goodness of helping that other person um, achieve what they want so that they can be an advocate of me later on. I love that. One of the, like one of my biggest mentors, he, I obviously still in touch with him, big mentor today, but like he was a big mentor in college. And um, I interviewed for the Under Armour internship program, went through 14 inter interviews with them. And then finally, uh, received an email saying I was in the top 50. I was like, hell yeah. Um, but they only took 25 interns and I was not picked. But they, um, I started like interviewing with all these different people and one, I decided, I was like, hey, I really want a marketing internship. And this was my sophomore year of college. So I said, I really want a marketing internship. So I'm gonna, like this was when LinkedIn wasn't even really big. Um, and I reached out to the VP of marketing of Under Armour on LinkedIn. And I said, hey, uh, his name is Robin, Roman Vega. He was the VP at the time. And I said, hey, can we have a conversation uh, just quickly over the phone? And I jumped on the phone with him. We had about a 45 minute conversation. And Roman was in awe that I didn't ask for an internship at the end of it. I literally asked him about his position, what he works on. Um, he asked me like what I was struggling with in school right now and where I want to be, stuff like that. And at the end of the conversation, it was just a very big thank you. And I sent a handwritten note and just thanking him. And he said that stood out among everyone, every other person that has ever asked for an informational interview because he, I didn't, I didn't have an ask at the end of it. And I feel like a lot of people need that ask, right? Like they, they have a, like they, they're very intentional at the end of the day on how they're sitting down and sitting down with coffee meetings and stuff like that. And which is great. But like, I, I had a client meeting a similar, similar conversation. Um, I literally reached out to him. He was a big client last year and we, uh, he wanted a different creative direction with, with a different firm, which I was completely fine with and the, like no hard feelings. And I just reached out to him at the beginning of the year. I was like, hey, Mark, you want to catch up? And 
he was in awe that there was no ask, like there was no content ask. Like he, I didn't ask him like, Hey, do you have any work for us? Anything like that? It was just like, Hey, let's catch up. Let's, let's be people at the end of the day. Let's be humans. And especially now with everything that's going on, I feel like that's, it's a lot. It's with everything that's going on with tech and everything like that, being human is the lost art and like having a genuine conversation and bringing value, whether I brought value to those meetings or not, like, I feel like, the, the value was me being a person and actively asking people questions and seeing if I can help. If I couldn't help, like, hey, that's fine. Or if I can introduce you to someone that has accounting needs, here's my accountant. Like, you don't need, like, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like in today's age, everyone needs to sit down. Everybody has a want in these meetings. And I feel like we need to go back to, at the end of the day, human to human connection. I, I think it's so funny you say that because... I can't count the number of times someone will add me on LinkedIn and then hit me with a sales pitch two seconds later. And it's like, what? hold on, yeah. like, you you reached out to me, um, not a big deal, that's totally cool, but like, show some like interest in what I'm doing or try to try to either help me or like figure out a way to, to kind of bring something to the table in that regards and not just be like, it's about me, it's about my sales quota. Um, I find that a lot of people forget about the human element. And you're right, yeah. even though you can't bring anything to the table sometimes, it is just about how can I get to learn about this person, they're doing really cool things, and can I support them on that journey? Exactly, exactly. I, I What's hilarious, um, now looking back on it, when, I, uh, when you did the piece on me for Young Achievers, um, the CEO of my company, I think I shared, yeah, I shared it on LinkedIn, and the CEO of my company um, saw that you were running the entire thing and saw your title. And he wanted me to give your contact info so he can pitch you sponsorships. And I was like, I, I don't know, like that probably isn't the best thing for us to do, right? Like I just, I just won this, the, or not won, but I, I was just featured um, for me to just say, turn around and say, okay, do you want, minor league soccer sponsorship probably wouldn't be the best thing or do you want this milwaukee marathon sponsorship that probably wouldn't be the best thing either and it was just like there has never once been a like the only want that i've ever had from you was hey do you want to jump on my podcast and like there's a like that's the human to human thing like and, and i feel like at the end of the day that goes a lot further. While we've never met each other in person, you know that whenever I'm reaching out to you, like there's never going to be a want. There's just like, if I reach out to you, it's uh, yo, like you're dope, you're doing dope stuff. Or hey, do you want to like have a convert, like catch up, like genuinely catch up? And, My thing and, is, even if you do have a want, now yeah, you've yeah. built a relationship to the point where I am more than willing to to at least hear you out and support you in that want, right? So I think I think people forget where relationship building is uh, a foundation built around and that's relationship like it's it's pretty simple it's just like build a relationship out of human emotion and contact and eventually you'll get to the point where you can just hit them up and be like yo we're, we're selling this dope stuff um or we're doing this cool program i thought you'd be a good fit you know hit me back up and then at least i know what you're about way ahead of time so the exactly. way the way that i look at it is a lot of these kids um, you, they don't plant the seeds early enough to build relationships. So they'll come to, they'll, they'll ask for a coffee meeting with someone that is 
hiring at the time and they'll ask the hiring manager for a coffee meeting like why wouldn't you do that at the beginning stages if you knew at some point you were interested in what that person was doing and like learn about them way ahead of a job being open so I think like people need to go back to the foundations of how to build a relationship and how to just be a human at the end of the day it's crazy my um I just had on Jay Salim from uh, Complex. He's the uh, EVP of people and culture, right? And I asked him, I'm like, hey, like, what do you think the best thing in culture is? And it, one of the things he said, one of the main elements in Complex's culture, what they focus on is honesty. And that goes back to being a human, right? Like you can't be a, a true, like you can't be a human that everybody really vibes with or anything like that, unless you're just extremely conniving. Um, without being honest and b especially being a leader specifically and like I've I had never like managed my own staff until like starting this company and um, I have led with nothing but complete transparency like I was actually just talking to my videographer um, and employee and like I, we have like I don't know like I, I feel like a lot of people want to work for us because we have such an open culture and to the point where I was talking to him and we were going back and forth and he's like hey how much are they paying us for this partnership and I just straight up told him and like I I sit down and like I tell people like straight up like hey this is where we are in sales um, we can't really have a team outing this month or anything like that because sales are down or they're up so we can do a lot of cool stuff like I'm 100% honest and it, it goes from the founders all the way down to our intern like it, it's complete transparency and complete honesty to the point where our one of our former interns literally came, comes up to us and says hey I've never felt so valued in a job before and like that's like I feel like I, I still haven't had a moment like that yet like since then it, i was like damn i'm i know i'm doing stuff right at the end of the day by just being honest yeah and i think it gives them a value of like transparency and openness but also ownership over the program you guys are building right like and and i feel like if you're a small team you start to be very open with people people attach onto that and they're like this guy values our relationship he values um, you know, what I'm bringing to the table and they feel like they're invested in the company and in you. And I think that's super important when you grow your business, man. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, we've talked about business. We've talked about everything. I want to get into you a little bit. And like, when you, like eight year old, you, you think wanted to be doing this? Like, did you have other plans? I, my eight year old me was watching space jam and figuring out how to be an <laughs> NBA player. Um, nice. so I, I think I asked my parents many times, how do I become a ball player? And, uh, they were like, you just got to work hard at it. Eventually I realized like I wasn't working hard enough and probably wasn't good enough. But what I did like was the element of sports that, you know, engaged people and people were passionate around. And, and that's kind of what got me into the sports marketing side of the business for five years and leading me to where I am now on the brand side is like, I enjoy marketing and when I look at sports and when people look at sports, everybody absorbs something different. So right. I've learned to absorb things that are more about, you know, what is the experience like and what is a fan and consumer getting out of um, their fandom. And when I look at those things, I, I started to fall more and more in love with marketing 
um, versus sports. So part of the reason I don't really like these sports mark, like these sports industry programs at universities, is like you're not really teaching the person to fall in love with in with a a subject or um, like something they be, can become an expert at. You can't really become an expert in sports, right? So these sports generalist degrees aren't really giving them a foundation in accounting or in finance or in legal or in marketing. They're they need an like an opportunity to give them an a chance to be like an expert in a field and whether that's in and out of sports it shouldn't matter as long as they're becoming a better expert in that field and eventually they should be so good that the sports industry wants to engulf them and and bring them in to uh, one of the teams or properties so for me it's like well I, I I know I love sports but I am doing it because I, I love marketing right so when I first started, I learned all about sponsorship as a niche in marketing, and I worked at the Toronto Blue Jays in the partnership marketing team, did a contract there, went to the Pan Am Games, which was another contract, did sponsorship sales, and then went to the CNE, which is like the, the biggest event in Canada for um, event attendance. It's like a massive fair in Toronto, and I learned different elements at each role. So I took those five years of experience on the property side, and I'm like, well, think about it, man. Like, how can I become a better marketer if I'm selling these partnerships or I'm um, building them? I need a way to figure out to be the person that's evaluating them, right? So I want to learn both ends of the spectrum. So when I move to the brand side and where I'm at with Clorox, it's like, how can I evaluate those properties and those sponsorships and then also just figure out from a metric standpoint what actually drives business results? And I think that's where I'm at right now is like this is all being done purposefully for different roles with different intentions to be a better marketer. Um, and who knows what I do down the road, but as long as I'm continuing to learn about ways to engage a consumer or a fan, I get pretty excited about what I'm doing. That, like, honestly, you, everything that you just said kind of... Um, summarizes like my experience so like my experience in college and then in sports and everything like that and it, it's completely true like when I was in college I did all my internships because I told I went to my dean of students at the time and I told him that um, I was like hey I don't like this like I don't like how the program's set up and Dean was tenured. He was Gucci. He was Gucci. Like he he wasn't moving anytime soon, and he was like, "Oh well, everybody else d has done fine." And I was like, "Yeah, but like I'm looking for alumni that has graduated from our program, and no one's working in sports. Why is that?" And come to find out, no one was working in sports because they didn't realize like how much actually goes into working in sports. And they were. I feel like our sports, my sports management degree was more of a, it, they, they could have labeled it as, as a business degree and it would have been fine. Like I didn't really do much in sports in my degree until I met uh, Dan who ended up joining, um, who ended up being the dean my last, my last year and it really kind of fixed the program itself. But um, we were doing more on-site visits and stuff like that. But it was three years of not really knowing like what I wanted, like a lot of people not knowing what they wanted to do until they got into internships. And that's why I did what I did, but I had to take, I had to be proactive. Like I know a lot of people say um, it's not on the college to, to do those types of things, but um, 
I feel like we're really doing ourselves and the younger generation in injustice um, and setting us up for failure, really, if, if we're not teaching those small things. Like, I was always told, like, hey, if you really want a job in sports marketing, you have to go into sales. But when I showed up at the box and told them I wanted to be in sports marketing, they said, essentially, like, why are you wasting our time? Like, if you want to be in sports marketing, why didn't you apply for a sports marketing job? And it, it was just completely backwards. And it's just crazy how, and I'm not trying to rig or like hurt the, the higher education system at all, but it's just crazy how those things are really set up for us really to, they we're told that it's set up for us to succeed, but it's almost the opposite in some circumstances. So, um, but like the, the coolest thing that I've seen that you, you've been really, working on um one of the things that we talk about here is um awards and we've had some amazing award winners on on the podcast before everything i believe we've even had an emmy award winner on the podcast i believe he won the an emmy but um you won marking mags 30 under 30. talk about that a little bit and how that's really changed really or change or not change and like how much of a reminder of hard all the hard, hard work that you were able to do or put in and how that really summarized or you mentioned it was almost a big break for yourself. Yeah, dude. Um, so I'm working on my Emmy. It's coming soon. Um, <laughs> but marketing mags 30 under 30 was pretty cool. Basically, when I was working on the property side for five years, I... Um, got to do some really cool things both at the CNE and and at the Pan Am Games and it was because I had a team that uh you know allowed me to to kind of take the bulls by the horns and work on sponsorship sales and and go out and be creative with it. So I it, it was a really cool eye opener for me. I like it doesn't necessarily change my outlook on anything. It was a reminder that I was in the right direction. Um I was doing good stuff in marketing. But then I figured can this be a turning point for me to to continue to learn more about marketing? So it actually was a gateway for me to become um, a person on the brand side because I had connected with Sarah Al, who was the, uh, the senior brand manager at Brita um, and who had actually brought me on for a role after I hit her up on LinkedIn saying that we had won the same 30 under 30 award. So basically I had connected with her earlier on in the process we just so happened to be the same person. Like we loved, you know, Ignition Remix and and all this um, great, great types of music. And we love Raptors yeah. basketball. And we we got to bond, but we didn't bond until we started working together. But it just so happened that that marketing magazine 30 under 30 award um, opened up the door for me to have a conversation to someone who was already an alumni of that award the year before, and it gave me an opportunity to shift my mindset into saying. You know, do I stay on the property side and become an expert there, or can I become uncomfortable and become, you know, um, in an environment, get to an environment where it will open up opportunities for me to learn more about marketing? And I think that's what was cool about it was not necessarily the recognition, but the ability to to build on a skill set that I really wanted to expand on. That's awesome, and I, I like. Sorry if I yelled. Um, one of the big things that like awards really do, I feel like 
um, in previous stops, I feel like a lot of people were obsessed with them and obsessed with getting the recognition that they thought they deserved um, through through their hard work and everything like that, which I completely get. And I think it's it's really cool. But I think you 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 position your award in a different way. And a lot of people say me, 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 rather than really just like you, you mentioned, like it was, it was really cool getting it and everything like that. But you also mentioned like, Hey, that I know this isn't my end all right. You know, that, uh, there's a lot of work still to be done. And it was really cool seeing like all the stuff that I, I have done in my, my last 20 something years, um, or 30 something years to really be recognized. But at the end of the day, for you to recognize like, Hey, this is really cool. Like I might win the 30 under 30 or 40 under 40, but knowing that this isn't it. Right. And I still have a lot of work to be done and I, I still have a lot more goals to, to accomplish. Like, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. I think that's the coolest thing about winning these awards and uh, everything like that. Just, yeah, I, I was recognized, but moving forward, like I know there's a lot of things to be done. So what, like, what is next for you? What, what's next on your, your hit list or anything like that? So, okay. Um, what I would say is yes, you're right in, in my regards to like how I treat certain awards. Um, sure. It's cool. Um, but it, it's funny. Cause like my mom would always push me to win all these awards and she's like, Oh, you got to get on Forbes list and do all this cool stuff. And I'm, and I'm like thinking to myself after I won a couple, I'm like, but why? Like what's what's like what am I trying to do here? Um, and what I did realize was that this is a great platform for me to really build on my skill set and to say, okay, I got some recognition. I didn't really do that much, um, but now that people have perceived that in a way, and I got some industry recognition, can I actually use this as a a, a like a trampoline to accelerate what I can do in different jobs? So when I got to Brita, I'm like, okay, well, these are cool things that I can do here. Um, we worked on this really cool program with Me to We, and got to help you know over 60,000 uh, Kenyans get access to clean water for a year by getting consumers to buy into purchasing a Brita. And sure, it helped bottom line sales here, but we got to do some really cool things that left an impact. And that's what really drives me um, in in my day to day is 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 leaving that impact on people around me versus getting industry recognition. And I think a lot of people, like, they should really question why they want awards. Um, and, and maybe I realize this in, in, you know, throughout my career is like, it's not really something I need to have to, to prove myself. But what I do need to prove myself with is what can I do to really change things so it's better for other people? Um, so what was your question again? <laughs> no, you're good. Um, like, what's next for you? Like, what do you, what, like, I know you're, you're working on all these things. Like, do you, do you have an end goal? So I, I really do want to see the sponsorship space uh, podcast get like, uh, you know, some really cool um, things happen on that podcast show. Cause we got a really great studio out of Toronto and nobody's really done it in the sponsorship niche in marketing. And I got some really good responses from it. So I think I'm going to start continuing to build that. Um, I'm obviously really passionate about the work I'm doing here with Clorox. And uh, I, I really like the passion projects that I have along with True Sports TV. So I think 
with True Sports, I really want to expand on that and, and see what, what kind of value proposition we can offer to fans. And I think it's a lot through trial and error. But um, look out for some cool stuff on that platform too. So anything I can do to build a stronger foundation as a marketer, that's what I'm driven towards. Due to some technical difficulties, um, aka Brema trying to upload 10,000 gigabytes of something to the drive, our internet crashed. So unfortunately, um, my interview with Avish was cut a little bit short, but if you guys have any questions, let us know because we're going to uh, definitely do a round two with Avish. But um, I'm glad that Q is now on full-time as a co-host with me. Hello again. there. And it's going to be really dope. I think we have a our next episode is going to be completely Q and I, and um, we should have it. We should have some amazing guests for you guys very shortly. Yeah, I'll be on for the most part all episodes moving forward. Of course, if there's any like, I'm not going anywhere outside of my house anytime soon, so I will be on all all episodes moving forward. But I'm I'm excited for the journey. I'm excited for the growth. I just wanted to say I appreciate all of you. Appreciate all the reviews, all the messages. I'm excited to see where this brand and where this podcast goes moving forward. Exactly. And like, I do want to hit on um, yesterday, I posted a LinkedIn um, post and I let people know that I would comment or I would read a few of the uh, what makes you strange on purpose on the outro. Um, so David actually said that, um, or I'm sorry, not David, uh, Jen Cafferty from Norris Festival in Chicago. Um, has been going through some rough things, um, obviously with having a festival right now, but she says that what makes her strange on purpose is um, looking at the positive and trying to rebuild from there. So many people are so many people are stuck in the negative right now and always. So we must persevere with integrity and intention. We won't always win, but we will know that we tried. And I think that's a perfect message uh, to leave you guys with and leave you guys hanging for next episode. So I appreciate you guys and tune in next week.